Hello and welcome to Guy Cocker's Video Games Podcast. I'm your host Guy Cocker and this is episode 39 on the 29th of July 2014. This week I'm joined by one of the video games industry's most influential creative forces. He was he was the designer of The Bard's Tale, the director of the original Wasteland, and he's the producer of the upcoming Wasteland 2. He's Brian Fargo and he's here in London to join me on my podcast. Uh, Brian, thanks very much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, next to him is Thomas Beakers, who is the producer/writer for Wasteland 2, and he is here he's here from the Netherlands uh, just finishing up work on the game. Thomas, thanks for joining me. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, so, we'll talk about Wasteland 2 shortly, the game that you guys have been working on that's set for release very shortly. Uh, but before we get into the show, remember you can drop me an email. It's podcast at guycocker.com and let me know what you think of the show and who you'd like to see as an upcoming guest. And please, if you enjoyed the show, leave it a rating or review on iTunes. Uh, okay, time for this week's news section. I've picked out the big and interesting news stories, uh, and I'm going to ask my guests what they think. So, first news story is uh, Games Market continues summer decline with Watchdogs still clinging on to number one. Uh, the market took another dive this week thanks to the current heat wave here in the UK, at least, uh, and the lack of new releases and the start of the summer holidays for uh, for those in school. Overall, the market fell three percent this week. The amount of revenue made this week was the lowest it's been for the year so far. Uh, while the number of units sold was the second lowest on uh, second lowest year to date, uh, Watchdogs is still holding on to number one for its uh, for its fourth week, I believe. Uh, and um, Usual Suspects still filling out the rest of the chart, FIFA 14 and uh, Lego uh, movie video game. Now you guys are from different countries, so we over here we don't um, tally some of the the digital sales, unfortunately. But what do you guys think? Are you from what you know, are you seeing similar things in the Netherlands and the in the USA, or are you, is the market in decline over where you are? Well. Well, uh, we have a bunch. We have several different uh, companies that track uh, sales. But the thing about it is, is they typically only track the retail sales. Sure. And so every year, doom and gloom, down and down. Yet there's this digital side and mobile side that are that are skyrocketing. And I don't think they really take that into account. No. Um, the the the, uh, the movie business does the same thing with the box office, right? Every year you hear the box office. Yet they're really not accounting for Vudu and Netflix and iTunes and everything else where they're selling films. So, I think. Uh, when you net everything out, we're still on a sharp increase. In terms of getting the digital guys on board, as far as I understand it, at least here in the UK, it's uh, it's a matter of getting the big players involved. You know, uh, Steam is obviously the big one. You guys have been early access on Steam, but mm-hmm. you, do you you presumably get access to those numbers. You can see how well you're doing, how many downloads you're doing. Yeah, I mean, we're, we are the entertainment business, so we are typically more driven by whatever title that gets released that year. Again, if you compare to the film business, if you had Avatar or Titanic, then you're thinking, hey, it's great, we have all this growth, but it was more driven by the title itself. Mm. But I think about my kids, for example, you know, not once in two years have they asked me to go to a retail store and buy a game. Sure. Everything's done by Steam or everything's done downloaded through iTunes. So I'm surprised that the retail business hasn't dropped off like 30% rather like than small, just 3%. Like yeah. Steeper, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, next news story, Uncharted film set for 2016. The Uncharted movie will be in cinemas in time for E3 in a couple of years' time, Sony has said. Uh, the theatrical movie based on the game will have a leading... It's not got a leading man yet, but it will uh, be set to arrive before or on June 10th, 2016. Uh, 
um, fills the spot previously held for The Amazing Spider-Man 3, which has now been pushed to 2018. Uh, it's being written by David Guggenheim and directed by Seth Gordon, who is, uh, I believe, the guy behind uh, Horrible Bosses. Uh, and it's one of the two movies based on Naughty Dog IPs coming. The other is uh, based on The Last of Us, which is being um, not helmed, but produced, I believe, by Sam Raimi, mm. uh, who uh, made The Evil Dead and The, and the, mm-hmm. more, mm-hmm. And the last set of Spider-Man movies. Uh, you guys, Uncharted fans, looking forward to the movie? Do you think that this is going to be another failure in a long line of movie to video games to movie? Uh, oh, I think I think they'll do a great job. I, I think that um, intellectual properties for games are taken much more seriously. Before mm. it was just sort of a gimmick, I think, mm-hmm. and now I think it's seen much more so than that. Plus, it's by Sony, who is a film company to boot. Yeah. Um, yep. uh, and because I like Raiders of the Lost Ark, I'm sure I'll like this. Tell yeah, us what, what do you no, think? The problem was never with video game movies that the concept doesn't work. Like it, it can be fairly, especially a game like Uncharted or Last of Us, which already has a lot of cinematic. And good storytelling elements. Mm. It's it, it should be fairly easy to convert it. The problem was always that they just didn't take it seriously enough. But hopefully that's changing with these kind of big titles. So you think they've got the talent on board on the film side now to sort of make it work? Yep, yep. I think I'm looking forward to Pac-Man: The Love Series. Though. <laughs> yeah. That's that's uh, you know that's a romance. Be, yeah, yeah, yeah romance. Mr. And Mrs. Pac-Man. <laughs> uh, next news story is a, a good one for some people, and actually nice to see some of the honesty involved from uh, from punters. Uh, GOG, good old games, has um, accidentally given away loads of free games for free. Uh, digital distribution platform GOG admitted that a temporary glitch in its system accidentally saw titles given away for free for a short period. Uh, one user claimed to receive copies of Long Live the Queen, Kentucky Route Zero, Darwinia. So you are being hunted, Fallout 2, Surgeon Simulator, and Space Chem, uh, among others. Fallout 2. Flat Out 2. Flat Out 2. Gosh, yes, sorry. (laughs) My mistake, yes, not Fallout. Flat Out. Um, And it was acknowledged by GOG. Uh, They said, don't worry, it's totally cool with us. You can keep them. Uh, We will will not be removing these titles from your account, if you do get them for free. Uh, And we hope you enjoy them. Of course, if you prefer, like some of our community members, we can always remove them uh, from your shelf. Just let us know by replying to this email. Again, there's no problem if you want to keep them. Uh, Some users indeed requested that the games be removed from their accounts, with one saying, I like free, but I like GOG more. Uh, Do you guys use this service at all? You've heard of it? Presumably, you, you. they're going to change the name. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's going to be Gives Out yeah. Games <laughs> after this. Yeah, right, I think, right. I think we, you, you weren't uh, lucky enough to get involved in this. For, uh, for no, actually, we, we support GOG. Yeah. It's a, yeah. uh, n- next to Steam, it's one of the top digital retailers. Sure. And, and what people love about them is a look at their great customer service, and B, they uh, everything's uh, there's no digital rights management. So and people, pretty good prices people, as well. And people feel very strong about that. So yeah, they're a real first-rate organization, and, and they've been great partners for us. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is typical of them. They're just so, like, consumer-facing, and, uh, like, they, they make a mistake, and then they're like, are we going to try to reverse it? Uh, that'll be difficult. Just... Do the, do the right thing by the consumers and just say, hey, you can keep it or yeah. not. You see that from the consumers going, like, yeah, we want to give them back. We yeah, exactly. And it, it's a back and forth because they respect the consumers. The consumers respect them. So in that sense, it's a very, very good company. Well, if this if this happened to you and you're, you're listening, please get in touch with the show and let us know what you did, whether you kept them or whether you uh, felt a sense of, uh, of honesty and, and gave them back. Uh, next news story, GameStop in the U.S. says only 40% of our customers know about our game trade program. Uh, this is the largest uh, retailer in the U.S. Apparently, only 40% of people that go through their doors know about their game trade program. Uh, this is according to uh, an interview with GamesBeat. Uh, 
Uh, Tony Bartle, who is the president of the store's trading program, said uh, the biggest opportunity with, with trades is awareness. Believe it or not, only 40% of people who walk into a GameStop store today know that we accept trades of games. Uh, he added that he sees about $1.2 billion in store credit used on used games spent in, in its stores every year uh, and pointed out that 70% of that figure goes towards buying new products. What do you guys think? I mean, this, it seems like everyone would know about used games who goes into GameStop, well, but it's actually the, the minority. Well... Or, or it was a very clever thing for them to come up with to get us talking about on the news right now. <laughs> so you think that it's actually more than... I, well, who knows? I mean, I don't know. I don't know their statistics, but it sure seems like everybody I know knows about the trade-in program. Sure. Don't, they, don't they tell you when you buy something there? So even they're pretty if you don't, know, even if they're, you don't know coming in, you're going to know going it, it, out. Yeah. That's right. They're pretty aggressive yeah. about letting you know that. Maybe, you know, I read a statistic recently that 40% of the people that buy games on Steam Never play them. Right, yeah. That's Maybe right. it's that's, the same 40%. That's all the, that's all the Steam sales, though. It's all people buying them. Yeah, yeah right. Thinking, yeah. I'll get around right, to Right, right. So I'm saying maybe the same 40. Who knows? Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's according to GameStop. Uh, next news story is 2K teases new Bioshock. Uh, something Bioshock this way comes, according to uh, MCV. That's what, at least that's what 2K UK has hinted at with its latest tweet, uh, which featured an image alongside the cryptic, ooh, what could this mean? Uh, Bioshock fans will recognize the Poseidon Plaza and Eve's Garden as locations in Latin in Rapture, uh, which was the primary setting for the first two Bioshock titles. Could it be some new DLC uh, or the oft-talked-about uh, oft but never-actually-materialized Bioshock Vita or a fourth game in the Bioshock series? Uh, maybe it's a special level for 2K's upcoming shooter Evolve, says MCV. Uh, what do you guys think? Are you Bioshock fans? Yeah, I, yeah. I, pl- I played Bioshock start to finish. Absolutely yeah. loved it. So, what did you think of the most recent one? I actually really, 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 really liked it. I only finished it recently. Yeah, did you, I, I did not finish the last one. I started playing it, but I did not finish sure. it. But I, I definitely finished the first one, and I, I love the world that Ken created. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's fantastic. Obviously, the, the the major sort of stumbling block in this now is that uh, the studio is now downsized quite dramatically and has moved on. They've they've said Ken Ken Levine has said they're moving on to smaller. Yeah, smaller presumably companies. this would not involve Ken Levine. This would be another studio, which worked out all right for Bioshock Two. So if they're going to do that again, I'll still be curious and uh, it's such an, to play it. such an important franchise for Two K, though, yeah. isn't it? It's a huge. A huge yeah, franchise. you just wonder how what it is because the first Bio, well the first this last Bioshock game took them five years yes. to make yeah, a long time. so you're not going to be able to put out content too quickly unless it was well in development before mm-hmm. that because I think the expectations are rightly pretty high for this hmm. what do you got I mean it's a I know you haven't finished it but the previous games as well incredibly sort of well written well imagined visualized games that they're, they're Phenomenal game worlds. From from your perspective, what do you th- is that is that the main thing that takes it so long to make those sorts of games? Uh, yeah, it, it's it, it's it's the detail and the nuance and mm. and, and and it's the uh, the art direction. It's the music. It, it's it's bringing the whole package together is what sort of takes you to this other place. So if you take any cheap shortcuts along the way, you're gonna you're gonna deny and ruin that whole thing mm. and so and, and they're very cognizant of that so mm. that's why these things take as long as they do so again it, it said there might have been a vita version we're not quite sure, sure. what it is but i think w- if it's a dlc it had to have been something that was in process for a very long time because it's not the thing 
they're too smart to bang something out to hurt their franchise. Course, they, they, yeah. they, they protect them like as best as anybody. Okay, final news story, which is the, the main one at least. Uh, Google commits to $1 billion purchase of Twitch, according to a report. Now, this has been a long time in the making. Lots of rumors around this, but apparently Google is finalizing a $1 billion deal to acquire streaming video network Twitch, uh, according to a, a new report from GamesBeat. It cites sources familiar with the matter who state that the purchase is official. Uh, reports from earlier this year also claimed that a deal was in the works, but at a st- an early stage. Uh, the deal would put Twitch under Google's belt alongside YouTube, which the firm purchased in 2006 for $1.65 billion. Uh, Twitch has declined to re- comment on the report. Google has yet to issue any response on the matter, but it looks like it could be coming to a close. Do you guys use Twitch? Are you fans of the, the service? There must be some wasteland. W- well, w- w- we've done some... Uh Twitch uh, broadcasts, and I watched some people. I remember when Wasteland 2 first came out, and we watched people playing it, mm. which was great because you get to watch in their own natural habitat, yeah. see them playing your game, what they're reacting to. And, then, of course, the comments is a whole show into itself, right? So so I quite enjoy it. I know, Thomas, he loves Twitch. So, yeah, yeah you, you're more you into it. Are you, a, are you a broadcaster, Thomas? Or no, you, no, no, no. But I, I, check in, I check in Wasteland 2 Twitch streams regularly just to see how people are still playing. But I also love uh, watching streams of Hearthstone, of uh, Dota, watching the International uh, recently, that kind of stuff. It's just... Uh, it's a great viewing experience. Uh, these competitive games, especially competitive multiplayer games, and it's and it's coming more and more to. So it's just come to Xbox uh, One and PlayStation Four. The the new Shield tablet is going to have it built in as well, so you're going to be able to stream from your tablet. So it's, yep. you think it's going to get bigger and bigger? It's just going to get bigger and bigger, and that's why this purchase makes sense. Even even at this, I, I know the price kind of threw off everyone, and it does seem like a lot of money. But Google is rightfully speculating that this is just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. Uh, and I have more organized events around it as well. Like the international is the biggest one now, but there are other organized events, and those are all going to keep growing as well. Sorry, you were going to say, sorry. No, no, I, I say for, for a developer, they're wonderful tools for us to be able to watch other people play our games. Like in many ways, I remember watching them play thinking, this is a more valuable use of my time than me actually playing the game because I can see what they're trying and what's not working, what's not being messaged, and if something's too difficult sure. or whatever. So I'm able to get a, a more natural experience f- that rather from myself who knows too much, right? right. So yep. it's super useful as a developer to watch. And you can take on play. board all of that, all of that kind of. It's a lot of raw data to take in, though, isn't it? A lot of comments, a lot of. Yeah, but you just you just take it all in. It. You just yeah, be uh, just just uh, be ready ready to. <laughs> you won't like everything you hear, but be ready for it. So that's uh, that looks like it's coming closer that uh, that particular deal. Um, final couple of quick news stories. Uh, EA wants to release Star Wars Battlefront around the same time as Star Wars Episode Seven, uh, both coming towards the end of next year. Star Wars fans, you guys. Mm. <laughs> okay, take a leave. Well, out. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Uh, well, what would you think? Are you looking forward to the new film? Are you looking forward to the new game? This is Dice working on this. I'll, game. Be, I'll be first in line for the for the film. Are yeah. you kidding me? I, when when it opened up when I was a kid, uh, I remember I, I was I had ticket number zero zero one. I was first guy in line for Star Wars. When it was when it first opened. When it first wow, opened, okay. way back in what seventy seven or whenever yeah. that was. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of funny, Harry. When when you see like my kids watch Star Wars and. They watch it one, two, three, four, five, six. Right. So when he goes, I'm not your father, or I'm your father, Luke, he's like, 
So we already knew that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you say, no, you, you, you don't watch them in that order. But watch them four, five, six. So like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would I start with number four? I think so, quality, so quality-wise, you want to start with four, five, and six. But yeah. chronologically, obviously. Yeah, yeah, but chronologically anyway. So it's funny. They're like, how's that a reveal? What's that a big deal? Like <laughs> stating the obvious. Well, hopefully the new films will be good and the new games being developed by DICE, so hopefully as well. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, appearing in Disney Infinity 2.0. So the new characters from that film uh, will, will appear in Disney Infinity, the second edition. You, see, you wouldn't have seen this film yet. Is it I've, not, I've not seen it yet. No, I, I, I think it just came it's out. It's coming out in the UK on Friday, so I kind of assumed it might be out in the UK. I'm not sure. It. I've been traveling, so. Of course. It's looking good, though. I saw it. Yeah, it's, it is good. It is good. Yeah, cool. I, I wasn't quite... I went to see it with a load of Marvel geeks who were really into it. Uh, I just thought it was I thought it was pretty good. I, I thought um, Captain America 2 was, was really, really good. I, I, I love that they make a film like this because it's, it's kind of a different risky property. It has, a Star, so weird. It has a Star Wars vibe to it, definitely. Yeah. But, so yeah, no, it's a very risky How did film. your, how did your uh, geeky fa- uh, Marvel fans like it? Did it they liked it. Uh, to talk any more about it might be a bit spoilerish, but yeah, okay, they, okay. Really, they really liked it. It's going to um, key into some of the wider stuff that's happening in that universe. Okay, and, uh, okay. It's, it is very funny. It's got lots of kind of cool characters in. The guy that plays Drax, who's I think a wrestler, is one of the best characters. Actually, he's not the not the main guy, but uh, it is really funny. It's really fun, but it kind of descends. It's kind of a spoiler. It descends into sort of the usual Marvel explosioniness at the end. So that was my only concern with it. That's how you know we're getting old, by the way. When we, when we get tired of that stuff, <laughs> kids are in there. Yeah, yeah, again, I know. Sure. Yeah, it's like okay, I another explosion. And then a League of Legends short that was uh, released this week called A New Dawn, uh, an animated short uh, has racked up close to 5 million views in just a single day uh, which is pretty impressive Wow! Uh, you can find out more about those stories on guycocker.com where you find all the details Uh, okay time to talk to my guests about what they're up to and what they're working on Uh, so guys tell us about uh, Wasteland 2 it's the long gestating sequel to the original game uh, which was released in 1988 which is a long time ago and it's been Mm -hmm. it's been in sort of Steam early release for a while but you're gearing up to final release is it next month or yeah within within yeah it's it's we're we're down to the we're down to the final here cool and uh, yeah so the first one came out like like I said a long time ago and the press loved to remind me like I was five years old or seven years old when it came out. <laughs> but I have been uh, trying to make it happen for the last couple of decades plus. And uh, we um, were unable to secure the rights back in the 90s. And that's where Fallout was born because I couldn't get the rights to do another mm-hmm. Wasteland 2. And I, after trying, I said, okay, fine, let's just do something that's uh, derivative and spiritually along the same lines. And I'm a post-apocalyptic nut. Love all the way back to the Omega Man and you know Planet of the Apes, which is kind of that it, and, and uh, reading Swan Song and Commandy, The Last Boy on Earth, whatever mm-hmm. you, you name it, I've always been. And then The Road Warrior was like, you know, for probably almost for a decade, if you'd said what was your number one movie, The Road Warrior would have been every right. every time. And so I, I loved the category. So we did Fallout, of course, that became a big success. I left Interplay in 2002. And I was able to get the trademark back to Wasteland, and I was able to cut a deal with Electronic Arts to finally, after all those years, to bring it back. I tried for about a decade after that trying to get it financed, and uh, through the traditional routes with investors and publishers, and for a a lot of different reasons, I was not able to do that. So I was persistent. I kept trying, and then... um, I was sort of running out of hope in many ways. I, I, I couldn't see a path because games were becoming more free-to-play. Sure. Uh, not a single-player, deep, narrative, 50-hour role-playing game 
you just there was nothing on the horizon. And then uh, Tim Schaefer launched with his crowdfunding campaign with um, what was the name of it? It was a double um, double Bro- broken Avengers. age, broken, broken age, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, I, I saw that and I thought this is it. Yeah. And, and again, and right away the fans they were sending me messages going, "Wasteland, you got to do it. Here's our chance." So I we, we basically a month later we launched and. Of course, it, it did gangbusters. We asked for $900,000, and we did it in 43 hours, yeah. one of the high watermarks yeah. of my career. And so and so that allowed you to get some of the old talent back involved as well to kind of work on it, mm-hmm. and it kind of all went from there. Yeah, yeah. We just sort of started, as people say, bringing the band back together. <laughs> so is it true, is it right that the, the Wasteland property was actually with Konami for a time? Was that No, was that I right? read that somewhere. It's come up a couple times. I Perhaps maybe they filed for a mark somewhere along the way and yeah. abandoned it or something like that. But I've I've heard that. But there was no that I know that there was no official wasteland that they were associated with. It was anything like what we were doing. I think perhaps they must have attached it as a mark and plan to use it. And I, I don't know what happened. But you managed I, to get it back. You managed to yeah, it yeah, back. yeah. Right. So it wasn't in their domain when I uh, was able to acquire it. And so and just just off the topic of wasteland for a moment, just because I was looking at your Twitter feed today, you were you were you were not working or but you'd seen a script for Mad Max, which again goes back to your sort of post-apocalyptic love. I, 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 I actually got to spend a bunch of time with George Miller. Who who's was, the director of the new Mad Max. Who's the director yeah. of the and, old and, Mad, Mad, Mad Maxes. And the old Mad Max. And, uh, yeah, so I got to... Well, Universal MCA used to own half my company. Right. So I'd get to meet with uh, Steven Spielberg and and, uh, and uh, Katzenberg and all of you. They'd come out of my office and it was great. And so I got to fly on the Universal jet one time. That's a Universal jet. I didn't so, realize, yeah, there's right. Universal. It's a Gulfstream 4, $30 million jet. They said... We're going up to Whistler for a show. You want to come? Uh, George Miller's coming. He said, hell yeah, I'm coming. <laughs> and so I headed off with George. We were telling jokes, doing card tricks. And anyway, so long story short, I said, look, I'm a huge Mad Max fan. Wasteland, blah, 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 blah. God, please, I, I'm dying to do something. And so they said, yeah, you know, you, you'd be perfect for that. So we'd actually hammered out all the details of the deal. And it was called Fury Road. And I had the script. And then somehow it got leaked into the press that the movie was being made. And Electronic Arts jumps in and says, we'll give you $20 million. And he says, Brian, yeah. you know, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And, and, that, so, and, that, but, and that was it. But I, but we were like, yeah, I was buzz. there so close. Yeah, Because the trailer just launched at Comic-Con this weekend. looks looks fantastic. Looks, oh, it looks great. It, it looks, looks great. great. I'll, I'll be first in line for that one. Too. <laughs> and um, it's been now, now, of course, I don't think it's a direct game tie-in, but it's, it's set in that universe. It's being developed by, I think, Avalanche. That's right. And, that's yeah. right, yeah. Uh, that looks. I thought that looked pretty good as well. Anyway, back to Wasteland Two. Yeah. So, um, so how's it gone with the with the feedback from uh, from early access? Because people have been playing it for yeah. a while. Yeah, yeah. Has, has it been strong? Are they are they happy with it? No, it's been it's been super positive, and it's probably why I'm more relaxed than I would be otherwise. Uh, when you when you do something on Kickstarter, it's a very public event. As they say, you're you're publicly flogging yourself out there, and if you fail, right. Your parents see, your friends see, your coworkers see, your your the role industry sees if it doesn't work. So There's a lot of pressure to put it out there. But then even once you succeed, then you've got in our case we had sixty thousand people pay us about fifty bucks. So I got mm-hmm. sixty thousand people who have entrusted me with their money to mm-hmm. say deliver this. And then you've got uh, other people in the other developers who are looking at crowdfunding also saying Brian, don't screw this up yeah. because you're high profile. If this isn't good, it's going to make it harder. So. No lack of pressure, that's for mm-hmm. sure. But that's been buoyed by the fact that I was able to put it out in the public. And we did it since last December. And the people who are our audience, who are our backers who are playing it, 
absolutely have been loved. They're like, you're, you are on the right track. Right. You know, little change here and there. We'd like to see some UI, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, we're doing all that. But you are right in it. And we've done an update eh, almost every month. And everyone gets better and better and better and better. And we're going to do another one this week, which is light years ahead of the last one. Nice. And then after, that's pretty much going to be representative of that part of the game. And then it's just a full you know, stampede to get to the end, of which we're pretty close on. And Thomas, tell us, tell us about your role on, on the game. You're, uh, you're working from the Netherlands, but uh, you're, yes. you're a producer on the title. I do. As, as I'm, I'm a line producer, which just kind of means do everything that needs doing. So that I actually had to do a lot of work, or did do a lot of work for the, uh, for the feedback side. And we set up like um, center code, like a special feedback reporting site so people could give us all their bug reports and uh, suggestions. And just sorting through that takes a ton of work because... It's, it was like 10,000 backers, I think, that got the key uh, mm-hmm. initially. And they're all... The cool thing about Kickstarter is because everyone's so invested. They're there from the start. They know about the project from the start. They put money up. Uh, so they all really want it to succeed. So they really actually put in a lot of work uh, to try and make it... To try and help us make it better. Right, okay. So you're dealing with that feedback on a sort of day-to-day basis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah less so now. But at sure. the start, I, uh, I did a lot of it. And so the game is... I mean, it's coming... You, uh, there's no set release date. Roughly August... Yeah, at the moment, maybe September. You're saying, Thomas? Or? Uh, yeah, 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 just we've set, we've set end of August, and, and what I've said is we also have some physical goods that we have to do. Sure. So I could be off a week or two there, sure. but we're fundamentally in, in that final stretch. And so, for, you know, to answer your question, and for people that might not have, have seen or played the early access, it's 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 a top down sort of Fallout game in the sort of classic right sense. I, isometric uh, deep role playing game, and it, it, it's absolutely huge. I mean, one thing that people don't all know is that I mean we it's one of the most successful kickstarting campaigns and my goal with it was I didn't want to do a game that just barely checked the boxes off like I wanted to do something that that like some of the other role-playing games I've been involved with that they still play it 10 years later 20 years later I wanted to do something epic and scale in every way shape or form so we've ended up doubling spending twice as much money on this game than what we raised through Kickstarter. Right. By virtue of I, I put money in, early access has provided money, and we've also had some back catalog sales from some of our other titles. The game is epic in size. As I tell, this game has over half a million words, and to give you some context, that's larger than the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there, there's this, it's a, it's a 60, 70 hour game, super, super highly replayable, impossible for two people to have the same experience, and you're gonna go through, and, and, and you'll have missed all this different stuff, and, but that's, what, that's the charm of it, because, because you have all these different options, even though you don't see them all, you can feel it because you're making choices and it's all rippling and mattering. Right, okay, and that's the, that's the key, is sort of, you know, you make choices, it has an impact. That is the absolute yes. key, because, because when the inverse happens, the immer- you lose the immersion, because then you're not really into it, every time you try something off the beaten path that your own way that never happened, it's only on a very rigid sort of scale, only, only the way we wanted you to play, mm. then eh, it's not so engrossing. So, so, so yeah, it's the hallmark of a good role-playing game yep. for that's, me. That's the element of like old-school, hardcore RPGs like Fallout really hang their head, uh, hung their head up on that. And uh, we're, we're kind of doing the same. We said that since the start. Look, reactivity is kind of what defines this mm. genre for us, and it's what we're putting a lot of work into. And it's a timeless element. I mean, people will say it's old school, but you know, it's it's that, probably not the best word for it because having really great cause and effect is it's not something that is only relegated to the '90s, right? But it, it's just sort of an it's an art form that isn't compatible often with some of the newer role playing games because of 
They have to do very expensive cinematics, and you can't just be doing that stuff at the end. Mm -hmm. They have very expensive voice talent, and you're not going to be doing pickup sessions once a week all the way to the end. And so with all those two elements combined, runs counter to be able to do that kind of stuff. And so that's sort of the, the trade-off that, that you make, and we, we don't have those trade-offs. And so that's why we can hang our hat on those elements. And as I mentioned, you brought some of the old talent on board, including mm -hmm. Mark Morgan, who did the soundtrack for the original. He, he, did, he did the soundtrack for both Fallout 1 and 2 and for Torment, Planescape Torment. Right. Okay, so he's on board for this. Oh, well, yeah, he's, so. he's done fantastic work, too. Yeah, it's some of his best. Good stuff. And so, so you guys are looking, you're quite close. We're recording at the end of July, quite close to release now. Do you have any thoughts, kind of post-release, what's going to happen around the game, or is it uh, too early to say? Uh, post-release? I, I hope we're just dancing a little jig with, with everybody excited <laughs> about what successful. we're doing, uh, you know, more than anything. It's... Uh, look, post-release, everybody takes a nice break. Now, well... That said, everybody takes a nice break, but we did another uh, crowdfunding campaign with Torment, and, and that was an unusual campaign because I went out and I said, okay, I want to crowdfund something else, but guess what? I haven't finished the first one yet. And so they went, you know, what are you, crazy? And so I explained, well, you know, it's like a movie production. We have to have all the pre-production done so that when my guys finish, they take a nice break, they come back, and then they can hit the road sure. running. Otherwise, if you don't do that, then either A, nobody has anything to do or b you have layoffs and you and then you try to rehire them later i don't want to do that so we were able to go out and say look we want to do torment next it's why we kind of do a one and a half man team if you believe us here here's why and guess what they stepped up and it ended up sitting yeah. a kickstarter record for uh biggest game ever so tell us about in exile as a, as a company then is it uh just location set up that sort of thing and also are you going to be do you think that, that crowdfunding is now the way forward for all your games uh, yeah, I, I love crowdfunding. I mean, because it, it, it goes beyond just the money. It certainly, it vets the idea, right? Whether whether because hey, we want to make games that people want to play fundamentally too. I mean, we want to make them, but we'd rather work on something that people are a little more excited about. Uh, it also offers an ability. Well, when when people put money into a product, their passion about wanting to work on it, and make it better, it, it, it naturally goes hand in hand versus somebody who's just generally interested. And so when people have invested, we get a very impassioned crowd. And I guarantee you these people have all made this game, Wasteland 2, much better than it would have been had they not been around. So I want that, that same dynamic. If it was just a publisher getting yeah. involved. Yeah. And since we'll, have, since we'll have proved we can deliver, uh, we... We've hopefully taken the speculation of can they finish a game off the table. Mm -hmm. Even though I've been doing this for 30 years, I still get to hear it. Sure. But if we removed it off, off the table of doing a crowdfunding, then in, in the worst case is somebody steps up, gets behind it early on, and, and they get a copy of the game for a cheaper price than they would have had they waited. So to me, it's a win-win-win. Guys, thanks very much. What's, uh, where can people find out about the game if they've not, uh, not seen it before? Uh, well, I really, I think the best place now is to go to Steam at this yeah. point and uh, and take a look at early access. Uh, you know, in addition to getting an early, we give a whole bunch of digital goodies away, so it makes it well worthwhile. You get a free copy of Waste on One and Bard's Tale and a soundtrack and the novellas, and the novellas are really, really well written. So I would encourage people to check those out too. Good stuff. Uh, okay, time to uh, end the show and talk talk to my guests about what they're doing and what they're playing at the moment. Uh, just before I uh, go into that, though, had some feedback from Graham McKay. McKay, hopefully pronounced that right. Uh, he said, um, I heard you talking about Tabletop Games a podcast, and I thought I'd recommend DLC. It's a video games podcast uh, done out of the US from Jeff Kanata and Christian Spicer, but it has a section on Tabletop Games every week. I uh, thought you might like it, and that's from Graham. Do you guys play Tabletop? 
Not so much. Not a lot. I guess. I guess. I used to. Guess you're massively into it. I used to. Yeah. Not so much. I mean. There's often a lot of overlap with people who are into video games yeah. and into tabletop, but nah. Not so I, 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 so play, I play casual games with the family. You know, we'll play uh, Dixit, which is this... Oh, I heard of that one. Oh, it's a strange Dixit. little card game where you are... It's really quite a fun game. You, yeah. It gives you like this this obscure art piece. looks like a dolly or something. Yeah. And you have to give clues to everybody, okay? And then you'll lay out five different, different weird dolly-esque cards... And they have to guess which one's yours. But if they all guess it, like if you hit it two on the nose, you don't get any points. Right. Right? And if none of them guess it, then you're too obscure and you don't get any points. So you have to pick something where just a few people get it. And so you have to be sort of obtuse so that somebody who only thinks really differently or whatever approaches it. It's actually quite a fun that game. That sounds good. Uh, yeah. Dixit. I know Dixit. D-I-X-I-T. Yeah, it's quite fun. Okay, so time to talk to you guys about what uh, what you're playing. you get any time for games at the moment? I know you're in the final stages of uh, Wasteland 2, but are you playing anything? Do you have a show called My Strange Addiction here? No, we don't. Oh, yeah. No. Anyway, I've been playing Hearthstone a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. On iPad or uh, uh, iPad and laptop. And laptop. Yeah, I, I, I'm um, I'm reminded see, of how competitive I am. You got we're we're, we're uh, I can see you guys. You have got your laptops. You got your Razer laptops. So you're, you're game ready pretty much for traveling. Uh, aren't yeah, you? Yeah. All the time. <laughs> all the time. Uh, so Hearthstone. I mean, we I think we have discussed it on the show before, but it's a Blizzard card game. It's uh, very very popular. I'm yeah, sure yeah. people have heard of it. But oh, what's the yeah. what's the hook for you? Is it because your friends are playing or? It's a little bit of that, but there, there, it's just great tactical game. You know, it, 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 it's very simple on the surface, but the strategies are very sophisticated. There's enough randomness to keep you involved, and of course, I like I said, I'm competitive, so I want to get down to, to legendary status. And, and you know, I made it to rank ten, and now they've changed. They've changed. They brought up new cards in the last week, so the whole meta game has changed. So everybody's scurrying to try to find out what the right combination is. And so, anyway, it's quite fun. Yeah. What about you, Thomas? Do you get any time for games at the moment? Uh, I don't get that much time for games, and a lot of it I spend on Wasteland 2, just playing through the same level, seeing the changes, putting some notes up for the, uh, the designers. Uh, I play a little Hearthstone as well. It's a typical like Blizzard game where it's like it really sucks you in because it's nice and simple and well-made, but then as you get deeper and deeper, you discover it more, it's more complex. When I play games of late, amusingly enough, it all tends to be games that I actually kickstarted and got right. and got by now. Like you kickstarted something a year and a half ago, and sometimes you completely forgot. Right. Like recently, a small uh, RPG adventure game, Unrest, came out, and I was like, "Didn't I kickstart that? Oh yeah, I did kickstart that." <laughs> and then you get your Steam key and you played for a couple of hours. And yeah, okay, yeah. that was money well spent. And so, which one? What was that one? Sorry, the... uh, Unrest. It's Un- called Unrest. Okay, yeah. it's it's a smaller, smaller game. The Vindy Originals in is another example of something yeah. I kickstarted uh, a while ago and then really enjoy later. It's always good value for your money. What were you mm-hmm. saying? You playing Divinity? I just no. start. I just started playing. Yeah, I loaded it up before I before I left, and and uh, you know I read some other great things about it. So I. I just started playing Seems it. to be doing well on Steam, I think, that one. I've just reviewed The Last of Us Remastered, which I don't know if you guys played the original at all. Mm-mm. No? Okay, wow. I, I, I sort of hit that stage where I thought everyone had, uh, had sort well, of... Well, we're kind of hardcore PC, PC gamers. I'm, I am the same personally, but I had to jump on the player. In mm-hmm. fact, I left it a few months after it came out, and I had to unbox the PlayStation 3 and all that sort of stuff. But <laughs> uh, this is a beautiful, beautiful version of it. And I, if, if you Do you have a PS4, or is it total I PC? played The Last of Us. So is this the remastered version? Yeah, this so? is just the, the PlayStation 4 version. It's 
it's got better graphics, uh, uh, 60 frames per second, which means that it's a hard, it was a hard game. Very hard game. It was a very hard game. E- even yeah. on normal, yeah. I no, was, no, even on normal. Yeah. I, feel, I feel like, oh my God, my reflex, I'm losing my reflex. I must be getting <laughs> aged old because this is hard. I, I have seen shots of the remastered version and it looks absolutely beautiful. So guys, if you bring it out on PC, I'll gladly play it, but I don't have <laughs> a PlayStation. Well, I'm not sure that's <laughs> likely. But yeah, Plus it's post-apocalyptic, so yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, of course. It's um, uh, it's a really, really well-written game. It's uh, really, I mean, just phenomenal. I, the combat is probably the weakest part of it, I would say. Someone someone said to me, actually, that they were not as, they were more down on it than I was and they said it would make a better movie than it was a video game. Because yeah. it is quite a... Well, I felt, I felt like it would be easier to learn how to play play the piano <laughs> it was tough yeah you're right I there was a lot, a lot of buttons I, I was like trying to get to in real time a lot of dying plus uh so i reviewed that for uh, for stuff if you've not played it then it's definitely worth uh, checking out if you've got a playstation 4 uh, i gave that a five star review for stuff i also just on the post-apocalyptic stuff watched the road last night i assume you've seen the road yeah yeah that was a real real feel-good movie yeah, it was hard going yeah i know man. harsh they, yeah yeah they should have stayed in the bunker with the food huh? i know i why, know why get out right i uh, i thought that um it was good that they kept the, the reason for the apocalypse kind of hidden on. So you liked that? See, I didn't like that. You, did, you wanted no, more. No, I want to know what happened. Right. They, they, what, what the hell went on? They know they wouldn't. They wouldn't tell you. But it's funny to hear because I've heard. I've heard both ways. But I, I was. I kept waiting for the reveal. The reveal. Yeah. And, and uh, do they reveal in the book? No. I don't. As far as I know, oh, they don't. No, no. I've read the book. They don't reveal it there. Just uh, nothing. Huh? No. And that's. I, I feel that's a strength as well. Really? That's... Like it's not even that important why it happened. The apocalypse is always like. It happened. It was probably human folly, probably. Uh, And now we have to deal with the aftermath. And post-apocalypse is mostly about that aftermath and how that changes. I watched uh, Snowpiercer. Well, I saw two post-apocalyptic movies on the way out on the plane. Well... Or one they would call as pre-post-apocalyptic, which was Noah. <laughs> right, so, I saw Noah, yeah. 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 So uh, Snowpiercer, I, I enjoyed better. Uh, but I, I liked, they explained it and they did it in a way that they've never, like I've never heard that theory for the, for the apocalypse happening. For, for Snowpiercer. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. what made it happen. Snowpiercer is a weird one because it's, I think is it made by a Korean director... Yeah, and it's uh, but it's been re- it's been released in the US, but I don't think it's been released over here. But it was it was a long delayed it's, uh, release. It's actually really good and really I heard it's really really good. quirky. Yeah. yeah. So the, so the the world is like frozen, is it or is it different? Yeah, different? yeah, yeah. It's completely frozen, and there's and only this this train that runs around that keep perpetually. And if that as long as that keeps going, everybody lives. But you know, it's a it's kind of a commentary on the class system. And yeah, because the, the train yeah. in front of the train and that sort of thing. It's I, interesting. I read about. it. I definitely want to see that one. And the other one was Noah. Did you? No, which is kind of apocalyptic in a way, isn't it? It's yeah. See, I don't remember in the original book having stone giants help it build the <laughs> ark. I just don't remember that part. Well, this is the this is the thing that um, that a lot of because I saw it, I saw it at the cinema and I'd, I'd read up a little bit about it. But I think it was released in the US maybe a couple of weeks ahead. Yeah, it, obviously a big religious audience in the US. Right, they, they, they were not happy about that sort of stuff. But I, as, as someone who's coming into it, maybe is more of an atheist, right. was, was fine with that sort of artistic interpretation. Yeah, who cares, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but yeah, it, that was one where the movie did not match the book, that's for sure. For sure. <laughs> it's a pretty epic book. What, uh, what about you? Have you seen any apocalyptic films, Thomas? Are you... Oh, I actually watched one uh, fairly recently called The Colony uh, with the Lawrence Colony. Fishburne. Oh, yeah, okay. Not very good. Right, uh, okay. <laughs> well, no, the, the concept was pretty cool. It's about uh, global warming causing a new... Uh, Ice Age, and then there's just a few pockets of survivors, like 50 or so, in different colonies, and they get a distress call from another colony. That was all great. Like, uh, you felt an atmosphere of claustrophobia there, and they were starting to kind of butt heads over nothing, as happens when people live together too closely. But then 
it just went off the rails and turned into this kind of like zombie, crazy uh, yeah, cannibals yeah, yeah. movie. And uh, I, I don't like it when yeah. they just make it just about that. And the, the like the dynamics of how people live together is more interesting to me. Uh, yeah, so I, did, I did see that movie. I actually kind of liked it though. But I, I but I am such a sucker for that kind of thing. Do you know it was a movie that was really? It was kind of almost post-apocalyptic in a way, but that I really enjoyed that nobody saw was Pandorum. Pandorum. I saw it. Oh, <laughs> I, 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 I really liked that movie. And, well, and maybe because we, we, we both want to keep up on post-apocalyptic. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. post <laughs> film now, we And, and maybe because I was expecting nothing, too. But, but you know, you got to see Pandora. Pandora. Right. The, the atmosphere is actually really great, but it has the same so kind good. of problem where it's just a jittery action movie after yeah, a while. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but, but I, there was a real fear I found yes. of those things where, you know, who was it? Dennis Quaid, I think, was in it. And okay. yeah, yeah. Yes. I yeah. might have, I'm, I'm trying to imagine the poster. It's on a, it's on a spaceship. On a it's spaceship. on a colony okay. ship, yeah. On a colony kind of, ship. But that's still a form of post-apocalyptic because the, the colony ship turns into like a... That's right, yeah, yeah. A post-apocalyptic hellscape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, I really like that movie, yeah. and and I was pleasantly surprised. So, do you think, as someone who sort of worked on post-apocalyptic stuff before, it was cool, essentially, is what I'm what I'm trying to get mm-hmm. at here. Do you think that it's now become, you know, especially with zombie movies and zombie games, kind of a bit of a cliche as a, as a setting for video games? You know, I, I think that people don't like we we kind of put everything into these post-apocalyptic genres, but I think somebody would not compare Pandorum and Snowpiercer and say, oh, everything's post-apocalyptic, right? They're really very different. It just happens to be, you know, post some event that caused it. But uh, it, it is, the, the zombie stuff is just crazy. I mean, I, I remember watching, Do- well, I mean, Night of the Living Dead, of course, and then Dawn of the Dead. I, I used to love those films when I was a kid. And then it, it kind of, it just went, it went dead. And then it's just, come back with a vengeance and you, and just people cannot get enough of the zombies it's fa- it's fascinating and stuff will come out and go ah oh, not another zombie whatever and yet they'll all go and drove yeah. to, to see it or yeah. play it over and over again it's fascinating it does it, I was watching the road with my um, housemate and it does sort of spark that conversation about what you do in that scenario as well and you start to think it sort of gets through to like the most basic human well I'll, I'll tell you so when I was young so I grew up in Whittier and it used to be that a double feature would come out every every week and uh, my parents, they would drop me off. I was only like nine or ten years old, and I would watch a double feature. They'd come back and pick me up. It was almost every Saturday. Yeah. And so, and I would always sit kind of like in the third row, front and center. Anyway, so my first zombie movie, I'd never even heard of zombies before because I didn't see Night of the Living Dead. Was um, it was called Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things? Right, was the name of the movie, <laughs> and I was there, and this thing jumped out of the grave, and I went all the way to the back of the theater, and I never sat in the third row ever again after that. <laughs> that I was done. That was it. It scared the hell out of me. But, and you were watching uh, Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead as well around that. Time. That was and after afterwards. the. That was after. I mean, a night of might have came out before, but mm-hmm. it could have been prior to my time. I don't remember the year that that came out, but I just know the first zombie movie I saw. But I remember seeing the Omega Man. Which scared the crap out of me. In fact, the the, the main bad guy in Omega Man, his name's Matthias, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the main bad guy in Waste Sun Two. That's why he's called Matthias. Right, because of that. Yeah, that's yeah. A little, I have a little nice. subtle ode to all the other. No, but that's apocalypse. that's the interesting thing in post-apocalyptic films as well. It's not it's not just nowadays it's popular. It's always kind of come and gone. Like in the late eighties when Waste Sun Two came out, there mm-hmm. was another post-apocalyptic hype just because of Mad Max and stuff like that. Right, right. So it was a pretty popular genre back then as well, and then it kind of goes down and then goes back up again. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks very much, guys. Um, you can find out uh, more about those games that we've been playing. Uh, just head over to my website. 
Uh, okay, uh, we'll finish the show now. Just talk a little bit about some of the games that are coming up. Uh, Last of Us Remastered is out on PlayStation 4. Uh, Oddworld, Abe's Odyssey, New and Tasty, which is the remake of the original, has been doing quite well. It's released on PlayStation 4. Uh, I think it's coming to other platforms uh, later. Uh, on the um, on the sort of last-gen consoles, Dark Souls 2, Crown of the Sunken King, uh, has come out, which is DLC for um, Dark Souls. The Walking Dead, Season 2, Episode 4, Amid the Ruins. Uh, you guys playing Walking Dead still? I finished the uh, first season. I'm waiting for them to finish I, the second no, season. No, I know I played the first season. Plow through all that, um, and then that's pretty much it. I think there's some actually one on the PC which has been getting some interest, which is Gods Will Be Watching, uh, an indie game, uh, and I think that's pretty. I love much the names. Gods Will Be Watching. Uh, yeah, the yeah. Sunken King. I mean, <laughs> they're really doing a nice job with the names. Guys, thanks so much for uh, for coming on the show. That about does it for this episode. Uh, thanks very much for uh, for coming to London and, and visiting. Can we stalk you or find you on Twitter at all? I think you both got Twitter. Accounts. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm at uh, Brian Fargo and. Uh, Thomas at uh, Thomas Bakers at yep. Thomas Bakers you're, you're active tweeters very good tweeters I saw uh, yeah well I try not to uh, do too many but uh, yeah <laughs> I mean, you know, I, 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 I put stuff out there guys thanks very much enjoy the rest of your time in London uh, if you have any feedback uh, please send it to podcast at guycocker.com keep an eye on twitter.com slash guycocker for more updates uh, and if you're feeling generous leave me a review or rating on iTunes I will see you next time